A quest is a search for something. And every week, the Quest podcast will show you how we know what we know through interviews with people that have incredible stories of dedication and perseverance. I'm your host, Todd Fisher. Join me in this thought-provoking and inspiring podcast of discovery. Find us anywhere you listen to podcasts. Welcome back to season three of A Catholic's Perspective, the podcast all about being a young Catholic surviving in a secular world. Today, I have a special guest with me. I have Patrick. Welcome, Patrick. Hey, Amber. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. It's uh, it was an early morning for me. I um I, I don't you know that I have a son. Correct. Yes. Yeah. No, okay. Wait. No, I didn't. Wait. What? Oh, you didn't. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So he's new. He's about uh, nine months old, and apparently, at about nine months, they go through a sleep regression where they forget how to stay asleep. And so Leo has been uh, waking up. Um, and and it's different though, because when he was a newborn, he would wake up and he would scream. But now he just wakes up and thinks it's really funny. He's like, we're like, Leo, go back to bed. And he's like, ha, no, <laughs> it's great. I love babies. babies yeah, he's so cute. So fun. How did you guys pick the name? Uh, I was reading Rerum Navarum at the time. And I was like, Leo the 13th, let's do it. And he was that. like, okay, Leo the Great. I'm like, no, no, no. He's named after Leo the 13th. So we have this never ending battle. But yeah, he's named after St. Leo the Great. <laughs> I love that so much. That's awesome. Well, I guess because my listeners might not be that familiar with you, did you want to introduce yourself and tell them a bit about yourself? Sure. So I'm Patrick. I'm a, a writer and podcaster and youth minister in Pittsburgh. Uh, I run a podcast called The Crunch. Uh, we've been running since 2016, so a very long time. We started it back when we were in college. Um, and back then, we were just college students who wanted a podcast by college students for college students. There weren't many around at the time. Um, and yeah, we we he tweeted one day, I could talk for 30 minutes about Catholic dating. And I said, me too. Uh, and he was like, want to start a podcast? And so we did. We had never met or talked before our first episode. Um and uh, yeah, we've been recording every week since then. He, he was in my wedding party. I was in his. It was great. Wow. Um, we met doing, did you, 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 you're, you, you've been on the internet for a while. Is that correct? A little I, bit, yeah. Do you, were you on Twitter back when there were like anonymous Twitter accounts, like anonymous yes. Catholic Twitter accounts all over? So that's what we were. He and I oh, okay. met through that. And uh, we started our podcast the day before uh, that all ended. Um, it all ended because a guy got catfished on Catholic <laughs> Twitter. Did you hear about this? I did. I yeah. Mean, but I forgot about it. Oh my yeah. gosh. That's so funny. So a guy got catfished by a girl who was like this Catholic girl on Catholic Twitter. And uh, so then we were all like, oh, maybe we should stop being anonymous on Twitter. And so we stopped being anonymous. Oh my on gosh. <laughs> yeah, it was that is fun. so funny. I it think I was anonymous on Twitter for a little bit too. I just had like a picture of like Belle or something and I would like yep. Photoshop it to look more like me. Mm -hmm. But then I think around the same time, I was like, ooh, that's probably not the best. Yeah. It was all of a sudden, it was all called into question. And I remember like these Catholic celebrity people, the speakers and stuff were like, there's so many anonymous Twitter accounts. Like, hey, you guys have no idea. Yeah. We're a whole, we're a whole brand, baby. Oh um, but yeah, so then, then we switched and- it was, uh, it was, it was, it ended up being good for us because the podcast was more interesting when you had faces to the names, you know? So right. Was, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, no, that makes sense. Wow, that's awesome. And then you're also a speaker, right? And you've you've written some books, correct? So yes, I am a speaker. I have not written a book yet. Uh, okay. I just recently signed a book deal, a book contract Ooh. with Pauline Press, okay. uh, Pauline Media, the Daughters of St. Paul. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so we, uh, I'm writing a book with them about uh, masculinity and because um, I was like, there's not enough books about masculinity out there. Uh, I'm writing a book about masculinity with them. And no, I have not written any other books yet, uh, but I do speak. I go around mostly colleges and uh, young adult groups, high school. I'm a high school youth minister. So okay. I talk every week at them and they have to listen. Yeah. I, I'm the one who gives them pizza, you know, <laughs> <laughs> they're corralled. They can't move. Yeah. They're, they're stuck. I love that. I've talked to some high school students before, and it's interesting to me because they intimidate me because they act like they're not interested. They're mm-hmm. just like, they have like that blank face where they're like, uh-huh, mm-hmm. you know, but yeah. then afterwards they come up to you. And even though it looks like they were giving you a death stare, they're like, I really liked what you said. And I'm like, <laughs> I thought you wanted to kill me, to be honest, <laughs> by the look you were giving me. I don't know how you do it, but it's great because they they haven't yet learned um, like resting meeting face. Are you familiar? Yeah. Like adults understand how to pretend to be engaged. That's why I don't like talking to adults as much. But teenagers have not yet learned that skill, and so you can really tell. Like, yeah, if they're if they're not engaged, and if they are engaged, then you can be like, yeah, they're they're when they're laughing, you know, you've got them because they wouldn't do that unless they actually thought it was funny. So yeah, right. That's the great thing about teenagers is they're honest. They're honest. Oh yeah. (laughs) Especially kids too. Kids are honest too, but that's awesome. So um, today our topic's kind of about keeping the youth in Catholicism, because I Mm -hmm. think uh, especially today we see this kind of once kids hit high school, they, they fall away from their faith because there's more independence, you know, um, most kids during most kids are in, you know, public school. Not a lot of kids are homeschooled or go to Catholic school. And so we see kind of like this, uh, I guess, separation, the child kind of separates from their faith and they almost view confirmation as this graduation from their mm. Catholic faith. Mm. So how um, did you get started in youth ministry personally? Yeah, so I, I got started in youth ministry because I had my conversion experience in high school youth ministry. So I we had uh, something similar to Life Teen, but it wasn't Life Teen properly. It wasn't we didn't like have the name at my parish uh, when I was a kid. And I, I we uh, we had an interesting like take on youth ministry. The teens kind of ran it. Um, we had like a leadership group that was pretty strong. It was like about 20 kids and we split into groups that ran each night. And so every four weeks I got to run a life night, essentially a youth ministry night. And so we got kind of a closer look at like how youth ministries are run. And because I had that experience, I was like drawn to do that. I love doing it. Um, and I was like, I want to do this more in the future. And so, um, the, I, I, I knew that Franciscan University was like a good university to, to be a youth minister. I knew a lot of youth ministers had gone there. Um, and so I was like, well, I'll just go to Franciscan University because I wanted to study theology. And so that's how I, that's how I got, uh, got in touch with youth ministry or like figured out that it was important. Um, I, st- I stuck around because I, I wanted to give high schoolers what I had been given, which was that kind of youth ministry, because what we had was really special. Like talking to people now, I, I recognize how unique it was. We had 20 to 40 kids giving, depending on the year that were just in the leadership group. And the youth ministry itself was like a hundred kids. Wow. Um, 
we would all like all the all the kids who are like really dedicated to it would hang out outside of youth ministry and we would have like conversations about how to make it better like it was really the it was really like teen run youth ministry and i've been trying to like recapture that since um it's very difficult because you have to like get kids used to youth ministry and then get them used to the idea that they can do things on their own and mm. then encourage them to do things on their own like something that I've been trying to do recently is I've been just giving them Starbucks gift cards and saying, go have coffee with your friends and talk to them about Jesus. Like, just go do that here. I'll I'll even pay for your pizza to do it. Um, Yeah. That's how I got started doing youth ministry. That's kind of why I do it. I want kids to do what I got to do when I was in high school. So I think that's what kept me Catholic was having those Catholic friends. And when you say that, you know, I think about to my high school experience and we didn't really have anything like that. We had like totus to us, which oh, was sure. this kind of like summer camp that kids went to. And we just mm-hmm. went there every day for like a weekend and there were like fun things, but I don't remember connecting with God mm-hmm. in those mm-hmm. moments. They didn't, they might've tried and maybe I was just really stuck up and I was like, I'm not doing this, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's like, a, a, but like as an 11 year old, I was like, mm, this isn't the vibe. Sure. So I just kind and also a lot of my friends were, not proudly Catholic. Like if I feel like if I was surrounded by strong-minded Catholics, like whether they were my age or just older, you know, like Mm -hmm. the youth ministers and stuff, I feel like I might've been more likely to really enjoy the faith and felt more comfortable being bold about it myself. Oh, definitely. Um, But because whenever, like you said, like we would go out for coffee or we would hang out or whatever, we would just not talk about God, or we would just talk about other things. Um, I got used to the mindset of God is only in church. He's not Mm. outside the church. Oh yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. And as a youth, you know, when you step outside the church on Sunday and you're like, all right, I can go do whatever I want now because Sunday's over. God stays in church. That's it. It's a very dangerous mindset as a youth, you Mm -hmm. know, because if God's not at the forefront of your mind, then you get into like a lot of issues. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I, 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 I think I, I think I, I always like, as a kid did, I didn't understand how lucky I was to have those mentors around. Like my parish was very, was vibrant. And there were a lot of adults that were, they had like adult retreats, like they, mm-hmm. their adults would go on retreats every six months or so. And, you know, it was, it was this big thing. I, I don't think I recognized at the time how unique that was to most parishes. Cause when I would, um, when I would talk to people on the internet, right. About like, how parishes were failing and like the church. I was like, I don't know what you guys are talking about. Like it's been, my church was great. Like, what do you guys, what do you guys mean? Um, yeah. And, and so I, I, I can definitely now having gone and worked at different parishes, I definitely see what you're talking about. There's always a few kids that need more and the parishes can't give it because they're just trying to get the kids who don't care to care just a little bit. You know, right. it's really, it's really difficult. Yeah. And I noticed that the way that they try to get the kids to care is not in the best way per Mm -hmm. se, like bringing guitars into mass and stuff like that. They're just like, yeah, this is, this is going to be great. This is what they want. And then it actually well-intentioned. Right. (laughs) Exactly. But then, you know, we find that that's actually not what they want and they end up leaving. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what happened at all my Norris Ordo parishes when they started bringing in secular music and like, all I can describe is like a Protestant youth minister that has tattoos mm-hmm. and like skinny jeans and stuff. Yeah. And he's like, Jesus rocks kids. All the kids yeah. left, all of them mm-hmm. left. They were like, this is weird. Yeah. I think, I think like you, you bring, you bring up a good point. It's like, it's, it's this doing what we think we're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Right. I, the thing that I can think of, and I, I've 
we talk about evangelization sometimes on the crunch and something that we've talked about recently is like, have you ever seen those um, Jehovah's witnesses stands like on street yeah. corners? Yeah. They've got like an unassuming box and it says JW got questions or whatever. Um, or like Mormons going door to door, you know, and like, have you ever had a Mormon come to your door? Once when I was a kid, but we're very okay. Polish Catholic in my town. So they like so knew. Think, yeah. So I think they kind <laughs> yeah. of like decided not to. They're like, yeah, maybe not. Yeah. And, and Jehovah's Witnesses are similar. If you go up and like to have a discussion, it's they're not really prepared to have a discussion. They're not really prepared to like dialogue to use right. a buzzword that's been used recently. And it's, I think it's because what they're, what they're using is they're kind of using like a factory style evangelization. Hmm. They're using like a, um, a corporate side there. It's trained, you know, we're going to go to central administration. We're going to watch the McDonald's, how to make a hamburger YouTube videos. And we're going to, uh, we're going to teach you how to evangelize and you're going to go out and you're going to do it. And then people are going to convert because you're doing the right thing. And it's very like no room for the Holy spirit sort of thing. Right. Um, and, 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 and I think we, we fall into this trap as Catholics too. It's like, Oh, well, this is what's working at Protestant mega church X down the street. So if we just do this, then our church is going to get big, but mm-hmm. like you don't take into consideration the external factors, right? Like, Mega Church X down the street pulls Christians from all over the metropolitan area. They're willing to drive 30, 45 minutes to mass. Your parishioners are not willing to drive 45 minutes to your church. They're driving 10 minutes to your church. And so like you doing the thing that Mega Church does is not going to get your parishioners more engaged. Um, that's just, you know, it's, it, it's a false, it's a false equivalent or it's a, it's a, it doesn't follow. Um, right. And yeah, I think you're right. There's a lot of attitude in the church of like, this is what we should be doing. Because if we do, it's like if we if we if we put our right foot in our right foot out and do the hokey pokey and all that, then people <laughs> will finally come back to church. Um, but that's just not how it works. Right. And it's a bummer. I wish I was in more control over people coming to church and loving Jesus. I'm not. That's not. I'm not that guy. <laughs> right. I also think like the fact that we don't have as many options these days. You know, not like options is in like oh what a you know church looks like, but most churches don't offer, you know, the TLM. Mm -hmm. And even though it's kind of hard because if you look at like a really, really modern Novus Ordo parish where, Mm -hmm. you know, it kind of looks like an office building, let's say, and you walk in and somebody's uh, priest is performing or not performing, celebrating the TLM, it just looks wrong. Right. Mm -hmm. Kind Mm -hmm. you know, in a sense, it kind of looks wrong. Um, but I've seen an increase, at least in my area. I have three T, uh, I actually have, I have about six TLM parishes in my area. It's wow. a lot, but like they're sparsed out, you know, kind of. Oh, Mine sure. is about an hour away. And then there's a couple others that are like 30 or 40 minutes away. But yeah, um, something that I've noticed is that the youth love it. The youth are always at the front. They go to their classes. They want to go to their classes. Mm. I remember overhearing a, a teenaged boy asking um, his mom if they could come here for their actual parish because I guess they were just mm-hmm. there visiting. Yeah, and it's just interesting to me how the youth really is craving Jesus. They just mm-hmm. don't know it because they don't yeah. have uh, the option of of a reverent, beautiful church. In a sense, yeah. not saying that certain Novus Ordos can't be. I've gone to beautiful, reverent Novus Ordos, mm-hmm. um, but that's something I have noticed and. I guess my main question here now is it's like, how can we engage the youth into Catholicism from your experience? Yeah. So I think you bring up a good point about, you know, the, the, the reverence is really a big part of it. I mean, 
when it comes to uh, the drawback, right, to being like, well, we're just going to ape a mega church and try mm-hmm. to just do the things that they're doing is you beg, you ask, it makes you ask the question, why go to a Catholic church if this is just available somewhere else? You know, like what, what makes it different? And I think one of the easiest ways to see the, the sparse difference in a, in, the, in, a, in a Catholic church is the TLM. I think that, I think that's true. I, I do, I do, I do, um, I do see a, a similarity though between mm-hmm. this is going to, this is going to be a little, a little hot take. Oh, so, it's fine. Go for it. Okay. We love hot takes. There's a little bit of a similarity between TLM parishes and mega churches. And this Ooh. is the similarity is that both kind of draw, like I said, draw from like large areas, you know, like we have, a, we have a TLM parish. Um, it's a, it's a, it's called a personal parish. So it's like, it's not a boundary parish. It, anybody can, it can have any, anybody can be a member at this parish in the oh, Diocese of Pittsburgh. Cool. And it's a, it's called most precious blood. It's, it's a, it's a, um, I think it's Institute of Christ, the King sovereign priest parish. Okay. Um, they got cannons and they wear hats and it's cool. Right. <laughs> um, and they draw from everywhere in Pittsburgh. And so it, like the people that go to that church are probably going to be more reverent, more faithful people, but like the average parish that is a territorial parish is drawing from the rank and file, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would, I would hesitate to say, ah, yes, the solution is the TLM. Uh, that's the thing that's going to get the youth involved because it's, it's almost the same mistake that the guitar people make, but it's in the other direction. So right. I want to avoid that. What I want to what I want to, what I want to say, the answer is, I think you said it earlier. I think the answer is just like having the faith be something that's practiced outside of the church, right? having the faith be something that's lived and, and God is experienced in the day to day. And that's what we've been trying to do on, on the crunch recently is we've been trying to like steer away from the Catholic podcast mold, right? Because mm-hmm. we, what we found was a lot of, um, a lot of our, our listeners were, re- were calling in and saying, not calling in, they were texting us because it's, you know, they yeah. were messaging us and saying like, hey, we're, I'm Catholic because of you guys, uh, which is not true. Uh, they are Catholic because of Jesus, but also because they had a friend, you know, talk to them about Catholicism. But the crunch was like a, a gateway for it. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had people reach out that were Catholic that were drifting away and then sit, then listen to the show and we're like, oh yeah, I should probably come back, right? And it's because the crunch is something that's Catholic that can be enjoyed outside of a Sunday mass. Right. Um, and I think that I think that's where uh, Catholics ought to ought to be moving um, in the future is just like let's let's go out now. Let's be really Catholic and also be really into baseball or be Catholic and be really into like fashion, you know, and, and, yeah. and, and that, that sort of thing. I think if, if we want to reach the youth, we have to reach them on their terms and say, these things that you're interested in are not wrong. They just need to be baptized. Right. It's right. like, it needs to be done for God and not for yourself. You need to be into baseball, not so you can make a lot of money and meet a lot of women. You need to be into baseball because it's fun and it's good. And like, and, and God made your body to do cool things like baseball. Right. Um, I think that, 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 that's what I, that's what I try to, that's what I try to do when I try to engage young people in our parish is I say young people as if I'm not one, uh, <laughs> the high school young people. School um, young. I try to help them understand that like the Catholic faith is something you can live in your whole life because when you're busy living your whole life, you're going to forget about Catholicism unless Catholicism is something that's married with your whole life. Does that make sense? I feel like I was yeah. talking for a long time. No, cool. it does. And I, I think it's interesting too, because of the fact that there's this division between the church and the world, 
right and and there is obviously a line like we are in the world but not of the world like yeah obviously you know the the world is thy ship not thy home as saint mm-hmm. would say however most catholics don't know how to integrate their faith into the world mm-hmm. most of the time and i struggled with this greatly growing up um but even coming back into my faith and, and trying to figure out okay how do i be catholic but also catholic and you know catholic mm-hmm. it's not catholic but it's catholic and yeah um because i hate that well i'm catholic but no oh yeah you know yeah and so trying to kind of mm-hmm. remedy that division and be like yeah you know it, like the faith can be in the world like that's important mm-hmm. if you're a vet tech you can be a catholic and you can still you know, live out your faith boldly in your profession. But mm. people, I don't think, know how to introduce Catholicism into the things that they like to do. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's something that I, that I struggle with as well, because my, I'm in the unfortunate position of realizing this while also like Catholicism is kind of my only thing. Mm-hmm. Like I write books about it and I talk about it and I like <laughs> podcast about it. You know, it's, I, I had this crisis in 2019 where I was like, I think Catholicism is like my only hobby. I need like another hobby, you know, like I need to like read books or something, you know, like my only two things that were interesting to me were Catholicism and like productivity, just like (laughs) being Catholic and then being really good at my job, which was a Catholic youth minister. Um, And so Ethan and I have been been talking about like weaning the church off of itself Mm. as like a project for, for our podcast over the course of the next few years, like at this the seat conference that was re- that was recently which you didn't get to go to so was a no i wanted to but yeah <laughs> i was like I was, oh wow i was trying to press you to go i was like you should come but no it, it was fun they they had ben rector come who's no yeah he's a he's a regular musician right yeah. he's, he's you know does regular stuff you know but we had him come to the conference and it was funny because he was i heard he was like tweeting about it like he was expecting a hotel ballroom just a regular hotel ballroom but it was like this huge stadium, like the former Ram stadium was 17,000 Catholics in it. Um, and like, that's such a witness that like you can witness to this guy who has, who's a normal guy who's a Christian, but not a Christian artist who has a platform. Right. And like, there's no need to bring in an artist just because like, we don't need to just bring in Catholic artists or even Christian adjacent artists. We can bring in, you know, we can bring in um, Bruce Springsteen, you know, he's right. a former Catholic, <laughs> right? We can, we can bring in people that are, that are uh, maybe not Bruce Springsteen for a, for a youth conference, but you know what I'm, I'm saying? I think, yeah. I think this is a good direction that the church is moving in is that our Catholic culture is mm-hmm. no longer, it, it's, it's developed. It's here. We have a Catholic culture. I would, I would think we have our own tendencies and our own familial squabbles, right. um, our, our little different like ways of living this out, but it's not, it's becoming not uh, siloed and isolated anymore. We're moving out into the real world where people can, see the Catholic culture as an, a way to live life that's more fulfilling than the average American monoculture. <laughs> right. And I think that's important for kids to know that like being a Catholic does not mean you're outcast. You know, yeah. I think they kind of view it as an isolation. Like the only friends I can have are Catholic. The only thing I can do is in the Catholic church, like outside mm-hmm. of Catholicism. Like if I do dance or if I do any of these things, my faith cannot show through because I will be ridiculed for it. And yeah. I mean, that's true to an extent. You probably will be picked on a little bit um, mm-hmm. because that's just the way the world is right now. They're just picking on Christians and 
like in general, like yeah. you don't just have to be Catholic. It's just mm. kind of a, a vibe, but eventually you figure out the, the median, you know, in which mm. to go to, like, you'll find how to avoid certain people and what people you actually want as your friends, the kind that maybe they're not Catholic, but they're yeah. understanding. I have a best friend of uh, 10 years and he and I, we've always just been friends and he's uh been baptist and now he's kind of more evangelical but he's always been very respectful of catholicism we've never Mm -hmm. had any problems ever and i've always been very respectful of him and i think respect can play a big way a big a bit um a big role in -hmm. these kids and and when you're in high school you're kind of figuring that out a little bit yeah 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 i I mean I, i remember when i was in high school, I, I, I had to choose between the leadership thing at my youth ministry and this, uh, this theater program, community theater that I was doing. And I ended up choosing the leadership thing in youth ministry because I wanted that I wanted to do that more. Right. But like, it was it was very, um, it was interesting, like, I looking back that that switch of like going to this community theater, hey, the theater world is pretty not Catholic. Uh, yeah. There's certain there's, there's a certain kind of person that it does that does theater that might not have might not jive with. Yeah. But like in, in the theater world, there's a lot of like, there's a lot of conversations about being gay. There's a lot of conversations about uh, women's rights and all this stuff like in, in theaters kind of baked into the culture. Right. And so right. being like an Orthodox Catholic in that, in that world was kind of a contradiction, right? Like people knew about my Catholicism and like some people wrote it off because I was young and they were adults, but other people took it seriously and had conversations and they were like, wow, like you're, you're very respectful, even though you're Catholic and you're not like outright condemning me or like shunning me because of who I am and that may have been how they've experienced it in the past mm. but like you're you're like you know I, I would have conversations about sexual ethics that were more broad instead of like you need to stop doing this because it's bad and sin, sin instead of like talking like hey have you considered that this might not be healthy you know that's right sort of thing. um right. and so that like that was a witness but like in in my in my youth it was it was probably like a very uh uh, scary thing. It, w- it was a scary thing. It was probably something that I, that I purposefully ran away from just because it was difficult to go in and be challenged, you know, three, four times a week. I mean, we were doing shows Thursday, Friday, twice on Saturday, twice on Sunday, Monday night. Like these, this is like a, a, a business, a theater business. Right. And um, every show, like I would have these conversations backstage with people and it was very hard. Um, and I can't imagine what someone who lives outside of the Catholic bubble would experience, but like, we have to do that. The mission field is like right outside of the, right outside of the doors of the church right now. You know, it's sometimes it's right outside, right off the altar rail is the mission field, you know, like the front row of the pew is mission field. <laughs> I've noticed that too, quite a bit. Cause even though like at the time I wasn't a practicing Catholic, I would still say, I'm like, Oh, I'm Catholic, but I'm just not practicing. You know, like I'd still sure. use it, you know, as a title. And a lot of people, um, you know, they would kind of challenge me on things. And I was like, well, I don't know, because well, I'm not practicing. So how <laughs> am practicing. I supposed to know? Yeah. Um, but I think it can be pretty scary for the youth. What do you think are some like the biggest issues the youth are facing currently in our culture? Because there's a lot, but have you noticed anything mm. in your job that has come out? I would say, ironically, one, one thing is not many have Catholic friends. So like a lot of them are living in the exact opposite situation that we're describing where it's like, I would love to bubble myself off for a little bit. You know, I would love, <laughs> um, so that, that is, that is one problem. Um, I think another, another big problem that I've seen is that they don't, um, hmm. I gotta think, I know this was on the question list. No, it's all I mean, good. I didn't, think, I didn't think through this one. 
because I don't want I don't want to give I don't want to give a surface level answer. I want I want to give like a real one. I think um, one big problem that my teens face is, I mean, it's the same that teenagers are facing, but it's like they're it's it's pulling them all away. They like they want they're being told that they that the thing that's going to make them happy is if they are free to choose to do whatever they want, like anything that constrains on their choice. And this is like not just a pro-choice, pro-life thing, although it is that. It's like in general, you know, it's like, you know, you can be whatever you want to be was like a song on Blue's Clues when I was a kid. You know, it's like this has been this has been a, a, a mantra for Americans forever. I mean, and and it's I think that um, that conflicts with the gospel message of like you, you, you can be anything you want to be, but like you're supposed to be a child of God. Like there's like you're a, you're supposed to be this. And so like I think they're they're battling with this this narrative of you know man rebelled was created to love god rebelled and christ saved us and man is called to like submit to god this this that counter narrative is is that the counter narrative of the gospel is battling against the dominant narrative of man was man was not created he just kind of exists and existence precedes essence so he can just choose whatever he wants to be and so you have to be able to choose whatever you want. And so we're going to remove all barriers, social, bi- biological, like all barriers between you and what you want to be. Um, I think that's the biggest thing that teenagers are facing now. And I say it, it's, that's the issue that everyone's facing now. It's just some people have already succumbed. So they're not really facing it as an issue anymore. <laughs> you know? Right. Well, no, I mean, I've noticed that too, quite a bit because relativism is so big in our culture these days mm-hmm. and just do what makes you happy. And the youth see that all the time on TV and video games and, mm. you know, and in a way, like they have this want to be an individual, to be somebody in this world who's unique. And, you know, they, they have this want and desire to be loved, but it's disordered you know, because the world has kind yeah. of disordered that in, in our kids. And I mean, I never actually thought about it that way because I always thought I'm like, well, they have the LGBTQ issues. They have like all of these pressures from social, you know, social gatherings, like mm-hmm. peer pressure, they have school and they have anxiety and depression. And, you know, just recently uh, a five-year-old shot his teacher Mm-hmm. Um, about that, yeah. or a six-year-old and I'm like what is going on but oh, the yeah. fact of the matter is is that I think it really starts with the parents as well you know the parents mm-hmm. because the church isn't just at at, at church it's at the home too right mm-hmm. our, our house is also considered to be a church and when the parents are not um, feeding the children the faith mm-hmm. the, the children fill that void with other things that are on the internet and that are on tv yeah. And it's interesting to see that the kids who don't know any better try and fill that void with something materialistic because mm-hmm. that's all they're given. Yeah, I, I think I have a, I, you bring up a good analogy. I saw a movie that illustrates this well, although the movie itself is kind of an issue. Did you, did you see Turning Red, the Pixar movie? Oh, yes, I did. Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay. So I, I love I like that movie. gyrating mom. I love that movie because of like what it reveals about like the, the world that we're, we're trying to build for the kids. Right. So that for those of you who haven't seen it, it's about a little girl who's a Chinese, uh, a Chinese Canadian girl living in Toronto. Um, and her mom is like the guardian of this temple to like the red Panda. All right. 
And so like, let's consider this to be like, it's, it's, it's a very, it's a niche. No one else in the, in the area has this religion, obviously. So right. it's like, let's consider, let's move the pagan elements away. And we'll say like, this is a metaphor for Catholicism, right? She's brought up in this, in this temple. Um, and she just does the things like her mom's like, you got to do the chores. You got to do this. You got to do this. You got to do this. And she's never told why mm-hmm. she's never told about the Panda spirit until it's too late. Right. She's never right. told about this like secret, uh, arcane magic that her family is a guardian of, um, uh, until she's 13. Like she right. wasn't brought up and, and told like the, the mysteries of the sacraments, so to speak. And then when she becomes 13, she doesn't want the faith of her ancestors anymore. She wants to be an individual. She wants to go to the boy band concert. (laughs) Um, And she rejects the faith of her ancestors so that she can be who she wants to be, which coincidentally is everyone else. Like what she, she, the theme of the movie is like, how she needs to separate from her mom and become her own person. And this is the problem with the movie is that it's like, no, the girl is right. The little 13 year old is right. And her adult mom is wrong. Right. The little girl wants to be an individual. She wants to go make her own way. Um, and I just thought it was ironic because she wants to, she wants to rebel and be unique, but what's actually happening is she's rebelling from something that's unique, her parents' mm-hmm. traditions and into something that's very not unique. She goes to a, 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 a stadium with tens of thousands of adoring fans of this, you know, bubblegum pop produced by a company musicians, right? right. There's really nothing unique about what she wants. And so I think that the, the issue that teenagers face is they like, they're, they're fed this, uh, they're fed this, you know, manufactured uh, narrative of, you know, rebelling, but what they're rebelling into is subservience. Right. They're rebelling into consumerism, right? right? Like they're rebelling away from something that would make them unique, the tradition of their fathers, right? Mm-hmm. And into something that just makes them like everyone else. Which is very uh, interesting yeah. to see too, because we see that online all the time with TikTok and, and yeah. Instagram, like all these girls all look the same. They mm-hmm. all have plastic <laughs> surgery. They yeah. all have the cat eye lift. They all have big lips. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, those features that were passed down through generations, through centuries from the mm-hmm. very first ancestors, you just ruined them mm-hmm. forever. You you're can't get that yourself. back. Yeah. Yeah. And it's now in order to look like everyone else. Yeah. Right. And now you're cookie cutter. And it's mm-hmm. just interesting to me how the society, how society can just lie to us. And we just instantly, I'm like, yep, mm-hmm. I'm going to be different. So I'm going to be like everybody else. Like that's. Oh yeah. I went to the mall. I went to the mall on Saturday and all the boys had the same haircut. And it was it's like, these are, these are, these are minor things. Right. But it's illustrative of, of a larger point is like, I'm sure that when they went to get that haircut, they were like, I'm going to, I'm going to, um, I'm trying to be myself. Right. And it, it's so easy to get into that, that, that feeling of I'm going to be myself. I'm going to be different without realizing that you're actually just being like everyone else. It, that's why I say it's the dominant narrative. And Christ is like the counter narrative mm. because the, the, the dominant narrative is modernism, whatever you want. Like there's a, there's a precise meaning of that, but whatever the dominant narrative is modernism, liberalism, whatever you want to call it. And the counter narrative is the gospel. And it's just for so long, people have claimed that the gospel is the dominant narrative, but it never was. Mm-hmm. Uh, the gospel is always a counter narrative. It's always polemic against something like the first books are against the pagans again, you know um, it's, it's, it's always, it's always been a counter narrative against the, against the, the world, the flesh and the devil. That's always what, that's always what Catholicism has been. Um, and so if you really want to rebel, 
by all means be a catholic that's <laughs> go the other way though <laughs> yeah i always love the the term i'm so quirky and i'm like no you're not <laughs> no we're none of us are quirky we are none of us uh, none of us are individuals not even me i'm i am a, i am an npc as the saying goes <laughs> well also i feel like as catholics we have that that thing of like we want to be different and the best way to do that you know is to look at the saints because mm-hmm. each of us have our own individual strengths and god gave us the saints to to have somebody to relate to oh, yeah. some like i relate better to saint francis of assisi than i do saint Teresa of Lisieux, or mm-hmm. i relate better to saint joan of arc than i do to saint Teresa of avila and that's why you strike me as a joan cutter. you strike me as a joan i there's four there's four four ways that a girl can go it's joan of arc <laughs> Teresa of avila mary magdalene and Teresa of Lisieux. all right it's um whether you have a past or don't have a past and whether you're a big saint or a little saint big uh-huh. saint has no past is joan of arc oh my gosh <laughs> little saint has no past is Teresa of Lisieux. big saint has a past is uh mary magdalene and then big saint has no past is Teresa of Avila. i think that's no way oh my gosh that's so funny i flipped it around but it, it's 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 i get it yeah you got it we were talking about this on twitter the other day because someone really? was like someone was like everyone's either like a Joan of Arc or a Teresa Lisieux and my friend Riley was like no 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 I'm a Teresa of Avila hands down <laughs> I love that that's <laughs> yeah. so crazy though too but I mean doesn't that help though so much yeah, to know that we be, have someone to relate to yeah the saints are like these these individuals like in, in in the in the true sense of the term they were uniquely called and they became who they were because they were you know the only person who's going to be able to make you who the only person who's going to make you unique is the person who made you unique Right. The monoculture is not going to make you unique. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the, the narrative of like, oh, you got to rebel against the status quo. Like that's not going to make you unique because everyone else is rebelling against the status quo. Once Disney Channel produced an original movie with a song about beating the status quo. <laughs> come on. Are you kidding me? That's 35% of Hollywood studios are Disney owned. You think they care about beating the status quo? Anyway, oh it's High School Musical reference for- We love High School Musical. Yeah, oh high yeah, School we Musical, love the musical, musical, the series, the lunchbox, the deodorant, the perfume. <laughs> <laughs> it just keeps going. It keeps going. We love I, I, that. I, I, love, I love the self-own the self uh, own of High School Musical, the musical, the series. It's like, let's oh, just- yeah. It's, it's just great. so interesting. <laughs> and it's interesting too, because I don't really watch cable TV. So I don't watch Disney channel or any of no, that no. anymore, but like I went back and I kind of started watching it again to see like, Oh, what went over my head as a kid, you know, type yeah. thing. And I'm like, there's so much like subliminal messaging in Disney, which, which as a kid, you like, you don't even notice. Yeah. But I mean, Cody and Zach, like they have divorced parents. Yep. Um, you know, there's, they, they're going after girls that are older than them by a lot. Mm. The old sweet life of Zach and Cody sweet life on deck is a little different, but yeah, it's just interesting to me how they kind of drop these things in and mm. it's so subtle. Parents don't notice really if they're not mm. brought up in the early two thousands, they're, you know, yeah. they're boomers and they're born in the 1960s. They don't mm. know about the internet, like not that they don't know about it, but yeah, it's not like you're being raised in it. Like that's the sure. first thing, you know, as a kid is Disney channel, you mm-hmm. know, they actually had a childhood and a life and they lived through a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know a lot of today, like kids are struggling with a lot of stuff, but what do you think are like their biggest strength now? Like that you think that they can utilize, like, what are some things that are strengths we can use? Yeah. I mean, the, the accessibility of good information is huge. Like you can't you can't deny that, right? I mean like the reason 
anybody can, I mean, it's, it's goofy to say, but anybody can read the Summa for free on the internet. You know, it's sure. like, it's just a matter of, and anybody can, can, you know, list, find explainers because they're going to need them, right? If you're going into it, into it dry. I think one of the biggest strengths is, is access, but like strengths and weaknesses tend to be, um, go hand in hand, right? So like someone who's really good at making friends is also usually really bad at like, they make too many friends, you know, that that's usually hand in hand. That's, that's personal experience. Um, so I, I think in, in the similar vein, it is a weakness that we have access to a ton of information because you need a lot of, I mean, it's like when you have a party pack of double stuffed Oreos in the house, you know, <laughs> the strength is that you can eat Oreos whenever you want, but Oh no, now you can eat Oreos whenever you want. That's not right. good. You know, like <laughs> it's, um, that's not personal experience. I don't keep Oreos in the house for that. Exactly, that might be exact my personal reason. experience. Yeah, it's fine. it's fine. <laughs> no, I completely agree too, yeah. because I almost feel like in a way when we had less information and it was all based off of personal testimony and things, we had more devout Catholics, mm-hmm. right? Because it was a choice. Like it was a hard choice, but it was actually yeah. a choice then. It wasn't something that you could just watch mass online whenever you wanted. And that doesn't fulfill the holy day obligation, but you know, people, people actually had to risk their lives, Mm -hmm. have what we have today, the things that we take for granted priests were killed for, Mm -hmm. um, during world war II And even before then, and during the, the French revolution and the Protestant reformation, like we were killed for our faith. And um, it was kind of interesting. I was reading a book not too long ago where in America, or yeah, I'm pretty sure it was America. Uh, the, I mean, I'm thinking of something different. Anyways, but anyways, Catholicism was more well-known and Protestantism was the outcast. If you were Protestant, you were considered to be weird and like you did weird things and you worshiped idols and you did these things. Mm-hmm. And there was abundance of Catholics on every street corner. There were Catholics in rows and droves. And as time went on, and I forget who wrote this book, but um, I forget the book in general, but I remember reading about it where this man, he grew up in like, you know, the 1940s, 1950s, and there were Catholics everywhere. And yeah. if you were a Protestant, you were weird. That sounds about right. Cause like there, there were neighborhoods, I mean, like Catholicism was immigrated and it was imported in mm-hmm. much of the chagrin of, of many Americans. Cause like American, American was founded on Protestantism, right? Like we just know that. Right. Um, and yeah, like the, if, if you, if you've ever been to Pittsburgh, it's like, it's so cool because you can see what neighborhoods were Catholic Morningside, uh, which is to the, on the North, I think of Pittsburgh. It, um, it's so cool because it was like my, my friend's dad immigrated from Italy. Like my, he's a first generation. And when all of his neighbors are like related to him somehow, because all of the Italians came over and his dad was like the last of the wave of Italians that came over and they just built a church and they all walked the church. And so like, it must've been really hard to not be Catholic because everyone's walking past your door and you don't have air conditioning. It's the summertime. So you're sitting outside or at least the windows are open. They can see you're not going. So they're <laughs> going to guilt you into, into going to church with them. Right. And like, it, it's, it's, um, the, the fact that we're so uh, connected to this single source, the internet um, is also a weakness in that we're not connected to the people standing next to us. So it's like, even though it's easier for us to get any information that we want, it's also harder for us to like keep the faith because right. we're not in these communities. Um, we're not in communities of faith. Any commu- a lot of communities that we have are artificial. Like we have artificially mm-hmm. assigned small groups or right. even youth groups are kind of artificial because like 
Back in the day, youth group, you didn't need a youth minister at your parish. So all the teenagers lived in the same street and they hung out together and they threw rocks at each other or whatever teenagers did back then before cell phones. (laughs) The fun stuff. The fun stuff. Just hitting (laughs) each other with rocks. Yeah. You know, Um, Cain and Abel, it's fine. (laughs) It's it's a tradition. It goes way, way back. (laughs) This is why, this is, this is what I always say to people who are more traditionally minded like us. You got to be careful about tradition because one of the oldest traditions is hitting your brother in the head with a rock. Um, I mean, you know, you know, that's what started the Canaanites, but yeah, you know, <laughs> there it is. no, that's awesome. Um, I guess kind of like, I know this isn't on our question list, but I guess the last question sure. I would have for you really is what would you say to parents whose children are kind of drifting and they don't know what to do? Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, this is kind of, this sounds trite, but I really mean it. It's like pray, pray um, a novena to St. Monica. If you want, like just go real nuts on a devotion to St. Monica, because <laughs> she's like, that's her thing. Right. Right. Um, if they're young and you're like afraid of that happening, incentivize going to church. My mom didn't let me hang out at the mall with any of my friends in middle school. Um, and right after my first Steubenville conference, my friend, Zach Baird, who was a youth group kid called up and said, Hey, uh, do you want to go to the movies? And I was like, my mom's probably going to say no, but I'll ask. And I asked, and she was like, Zach Baird wants you to hang out with him. Yeah, mm-hmm, you can go. I don't care. And I was like, but it's the mall. She's like, yeah, that's fine. Go. Oh, <laughs> and uh, so he, he pulled up in a BMW convertible. I hopped in, I drove to the mall. So that's what I tell parents, two things. One cool Catholic friend, get him a cool Catholic friend and get him a convertible. That's how you keep him Catholic. Um, like try to try to find ways to like incentivize, you know, like whatever your kid likes, you know, associate Catholicism with that thing. Right. It's like, you know, you can play video games after you go to mass. Right. And you can go to mass any day of the week, kid. So go, you know, over the summer, if you want to play video games, you got to go to mass in the morning. Sorry. You know, yeah. like it, it's like, it's, uh, you know, try to incentivize, you know, the virtues that they have and virtue needs to build on virtue. So like play with the virtues that they have. If your kid is like, if your kid is, is very obedient to you, just like play with that obedience, like ask them, like, because you love me, will you go to mass? Or if your kid is like, really disciplined when it comes to his schoolwork, you know, but like help him find, figure out a way to like match Catholicism with that discipline. Does that make sense? Yeah, That's my no, advice. it does. Okay, cool. I think kids need incentive, you know, in a way. And sure. um, because obviously I think there's a lot of pressure put on kids these days to know things that they don't know yet um, yeah. in a way, you know, like they're expected. What college do you want to go to as a freshman? Right. You know? <laughs> yeah. Like, what do you want to do when you grow up? asking a three-year-old that's like gumming a a, a binky yeah, like, i want to be the tooth fairy <laughs> <laughs> literally Great. like i want to be santa claus <laughs> yeah man all you got to do is kill santa claus that's all you got to do i think right but like it <laughs> never stops too either you yeah. know i mean it, it's always like at three-year-old what do you want to be i want to be a man or something and then at the age of 20 when are you do you have a boyfriend when are you getting married oh you're married when are you having your first kid oh you have your first mm-hmm. kid when are you having your second kid like yeah there's just all these expectations I think that are put on us, but the one expectation that I think is the easiest is Catholicism because all mm. the rules are just laid out there for us. It's so easy. Confess I mean, it's not your sins, easy. eat God. That's the two rules. There you go. <laughs> um, num, num. I love cannibalism. No, I'm just kidding. It's not cannibalism, yeah. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's, it's really simple when you break it down to the bare bones. And I think people tend to overcomplicate it a bit. Um, and in reality, it's like, it does not have to be that complicated. You know, mm-hmm. if you really want to get into it, then you can get into apologetics and things. And I think we do need to know our faith, not to the yeah. extent of the great scholars, but to, or the theologians, but to an extent that we can explain our faith when it's, when it's being um, kind of, I guess, 
misconceptions arise and things like that, you know, I mean, yeah. being able to, to do that, I think is important. Definitely. Well, thank you so much, Patrick, for coming on here and doing course, this Amber. with me. I really appreciate it. Um, where can my listeners find you? You'd find me at Catholic Pat on Twitter, um, at the crunch cast as well. That's the, the crunch is our, is my podcast. If you want, if you really want to go hear more from me and hear me be funny with my friend, Ethan, <laughs> he, he brings the, he brings the goofs out of me. So if we you want to hear that, uh, look up the crunch on any of the podcast platforms. But other than that, Catholic Pat at the crunch cast, those are my two socials. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much, Patrick. I really appreciate it. And hopefully we'll have you back on sometime. Yeah, I'm always down. Just let me know. Awesome. And with all that being said, guys, I hope that this podcast has helped you and I will talk to you guys in the next one. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to A Catholic's Perspective with me, The Religious Hippie. Make sure to visit my official website at thereligioushippie.com, and while you're there, be sure to sign up for my newsletter to keep up to date with my latest news and offerings. You can also find me on virtually any social media site as The Religious Hippie. Thanks for listening! Hi, I'm Father Daniel DePlantis, a Catholic priest, martial artist, and host of the Karate Priest Podcast. Have you ever wondered what the church teaches about different topics? Are you a martial arts enthusiast or just someone who wants to learn more about martial arts? I'd like to invite you to join me and many guests on my podcast as we cover topics of faith, everyday living, and martial arts on the Karate Priest Podcast. for listening to this podcast. Please be sure to rate and review this episode. This podcast is produced by Todd Fisher and Anthony Smith and is distributed by Metacortex Publishing. This podcast is copyright. Any previously trademarked or copyright content is used by permission. Information and opinions stated in this podcast should not be construed as medical advice. Please be sure and visit the official website for Metacortex Publishing at metacortexpublishing.com or find us on social media for other unique content.